Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you will fall in love with Jesus, find a church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Now let's join the message already in progress. We are in a series that we started last week, and it is um, it's on character. It's, it's something that, that really kind of used to be what Christians were known for. Now, I, w- I want to put this into perspective. I know that I'm talking about character, and I'm talking about like living, live, and that it's good for us to think this is something that you do. This is something God does. And so even though I made a big point of it last week, this week I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I just want to start. This is a scripture we started with last week. We're going to start with it this week, and it says, Therefore, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. And all of this is from God. Verse 18, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the word to himself, the world, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation or the ministry of reconciliation. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the work that Jesus did. Lord, it, is, it does contain forgiveness, but it is bigger than forgiveness. God, it is, that is one piece, the forgiveness of sins. If that was all you did, God, that would be enough. Lord, but you also sent the Holy Spirit to to comfort us, to change us, to teach us, to renew us, to regenerate us. And God, you talk about this new life. God, we want to know what that new life is because this old life doesn't satisfy. We need the life of Christ in us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Those verses, it says you're a new creation in Christ. To be a new creation, you have to have a creator. It has to be God working in you. And so as we talk about these things today, you have to keep that like number one in your mind, that this is a work of God, that Jesus died so that we could be born again and transformed and that God cares about our character. I said it at the beginning, like this used to be what Christians were known for was this character, this, these people that no matter what situation they were in, or if they were fishermen and then even politicians and civil magistrates got saved. Like, it didn't matter where you were, but this character would be, like, so attractive. There would be just something about these Christian people that, that the world just couldn't ignore, and even when they suffer, like you have to understand how, how, how rich this relationship that they had with God was, is that even when they would suffer, people would join up at times to say, well, I don't care that they're suffering because I noticed that in that suffering, even though they're in suffering, there's something else in them. It's the spirit of Jesus. And so as we talk about character, I don't want you to leave here feeling guilty or feeling condemned. I want you to know what God is doing in you, like what, the way God is working. Um, I was studying this weekend, 
Augustine, he was, he was commenting on uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and he was just talking about it, and he said, he, he, he made a funny point. I thought it was funny, but he started listing animals. He's like, a tiger can't tame, doesn't break, a camel doesn't tame, tame himself, a horse doesn't break himself, um, and I would add, dogs don't learn to poop outside on their own. You, you need a man for those things. And I, I want you to think about this because this re- relates. Like a man, a human, what I mean by that, can, can make a whale jump out of the ocean. That's amazing. A human can, can get a lion to be able to walk around right next to them and jump through a hoop or from stools. And heck, even elephants have done that. And dogs, I mean, whatever, we put up with them. Well, we have dogs, and, and, and they listen to us, but the thing is, is that if we don't set the boundaries and if we don't teach and train our animals, they're not going to perform. And, and Augustine made the point, it's, it's the same way with God. This is nothing you can do to yourself. You wouldn't leave a dog at home, even anything, or act any differently. You, you need the human there loving the dog, teaching the dog, training the dog. And, and so you say, well, that's a pretty crappy illustration, Chris. You're comparing me to a dog. Uh, I'm just saying, well, the, the difference between us and God is way bigger than the difference between us and a dog. So my point is, is that it's a work of God in us. It's something we can't do on our own, but yet it needs to be done. Let's go to Matthew 5. So right now we're going to look at Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We're going to highlight some verses in there, but sometimes it's good to take one verse and, you know, dig deep into each word and all the way it all connects. But there's another thing that you can do sometimes is, is take like a passage of Scripture that is related, like Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and kind of step back just a little bit. And what we're going to do right now is is we're going just to look, and in your Bible, you might see headers in there, but I want you to see what Jesus is talking about, because this should be encouraging. We started off last week, we talked about the, the blessed or all the things that you're blessed, the idea that about if you're mourning right now, God has promised comfort for you. We talked about meekness, in other words, that power under control and, and, and a way that you can live that allows you to inherit the earth. We talked about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Um, the, the, like, do you want to be righteous? Like, let's just start there, maybe. Because Jesus started there. Like, maybe you need to have this conversation with yourself. Do you have a hunger? Is there a desire for righteousness? To live and compassion and truth and everything that Christ is, like changing your character to be as, as much like him as possible. Do you have that hunger? If you say, yeah, I think I do, I want you to recognize that's a God thing. That's a God working, like normally man in our sin, we don't want any of this. But if you're feeling that or if you felt that in the past, that's God, I believe, desi- changing our desires. But there's a promise that we will be filled. There's an idea of peacemakers in there. I was reading what some of the common, the ancient uh, church fathers said about this idea of peacemakers. And it's the idea that 
and they were talking about specifically, they broke this idea down in the church, that in the church we should be like desperate to maintain peace. And that we should be people that, that when, man, I don't want anything there, Kevin. You know, I know we, I feel like Kevin and I can joke, we can joke, but like I don't want any issue in between us. But then not only that, if Kevin has a problem with Dan, then the peacemakers should kind of, could, like, can picture almost like a, a body attacking what's wrong, like a white blood cells where it's like, hey man, I noticed, you, you good? You and Dan good? All right, because you're looking crazy at each other. <laughs> All right, I know he's scary, but all right, you know, but but the peacemaker would be somebody that cares enough about the peace of whatever situation that they're trying to bring peace, even though peace doesn't always come. But they're doing this. There, there, there's a there's a character that's bleeding through these these things that Jesus is saying. And we're going to go through it slowly, but right now we're going to just look at, we're going to go from five to seven, and we're going to look at some of the big topics, just so you can see, um, being salt and light, something that brings light and truth to the world, being um, about dealing with your anger. Last week we talked about this, and, and probably who I would assume is the nicest person in the church outside of my wife and my mother, I should say that. Some of these things, like can we, because we all want to know where the line is, right? Can I be honest? Like there's something in each of us, and I think it's the fleshly nature, that we really want a line. We want a line because we want to be on that side, and we want to know how close we can get to that side. And sometimes we just want to, we just want to rule rather than the spirit behind the rule. And this idea of anger, the Bible says a lot about anger. But let's, let's look at this and let's say, what if you lived in a world where you didn't have to deal with people getting angry with you for no fault of your own? You wouldn't be driving down the road and somebody flicks you off for no reason and you're like, huh, wonder what that was about. You know, you're just in the zone, just cruising and... Somebody's really upset and you, or to live in a world where you could come and you could talk with your spouse and, and neither of you is misinterpreting what the other person is saying. And you know, you ever had those conversations with somebody that you love? It's like, well, what did you mean by that? Well, what did you mean by that? And what, you know, and it's like that this anger is dealt with. That, and we didn't get to that last week and that's where we're going to go lust. Verse 27 of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. I, th I think we need to talk about this. You've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Notice when he talked about anger, he said, oh yeah, you heard that the line was don't murder, but let's take it up a notch and deal with the heart. Well, now he's saying, well, the line was, you heard it said, you've known don't commit adultery, that these marriages that you enter into, sometimes we don't, we don't treat that, that these marriages are really God's gift. Wasn't it really kind of God's first or second, if life was the first gift? Marriage and, and the two becoming one was kind of the second gift, that Adam was all alone and he brought these two people together and made them one. It's a beautiful thing. 
And throughout the church's greatest times, they've taken great care to protect their marriages and their spouses. It says, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So men, because that's clearly written to us, we know there's a lot of beautiful women out there. And it's not like that we can't recognize beauty and be like, hey, that's a beautiful person. But what is this lust? It's desiring someone sexually who's not your spouse. And feeding into that. I've heard somebody say, you know, you can't stop the birds flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. So you get like, you might experience a little lust, or you see something, you're like, wow, that lady's not wearing clothes. Am I the only one? Forgive me. You're blaming women. No, I'm saying that I am designed so that when I see breasts, my body has a reaction. All right? That's just true. Can we just be honest? I can just be honest. So this idea of, of doing that is wrong. That goes everything against you're being told from everywhere else. I don't know one place in society other than the church that would even think that's a good idea. In fact, there's plenty of people that have written books and articles and websites and podcasts that will tell you what you really need to do is just feed that beast. That it's that beast, that lust beast, if you just feed him enough or her enough and, and get her happy or him happy and big enough and you feed into that, that that beast is owes that. And look what he says, verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose control of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than that your whole body would go into hell. I've, I did a study historically how Christians have dealt with this verse. You know, I don't see a lot of one-eyed people in here. Right? We got to do something with it. All right, I don't see anybody in here today walking around like this, like, hey, I couldn't handle it. I took care of it, guys. All right? But there's plenty of people who can't handle it. And I don't want to be accused of telling you to go rip your eyes out, but I want to say, like, if you really said, you know what, if I don't deal with this lust, then I need to rip my eye out, I probably would assume you'd do everything possible to deal with that lust. What are the things that you would do? You'd pray to God about it and be like, God, I know I'm wrong. I'm sorry. You read scriptures that would strengthen your spirit and that would build you up. You'd come and talk to your brother and say, man, I've been dealing with this. Could you pray for me because I know it's wrong? You'd come and talk to one of the pastors at the church and say, hey, guys, I, I, or one of the elders and say, hey, I, I need prayer for this. You might even go to therapy or you might go to counseling or you might do a whole bunch of different things, whatever it takes to deal with this issue before you rip your eye out. I would think. But how many of us have these issues and it's like, yeah, we kind of care about it. But it's been there so long, we just act like it's okay. Divorce. We're hitting all the high points today, guys. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Divorce. It was said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give him, this is verse 31, let him give a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, everyone who divorces his wife except adultery, that's tough. 
but we got to do something with it. Some of the things that we're going to talk about, so like last week we talked about anger, if that hit a, if, if you said, man, maybe I need to think about that, pray, study, talk to people. As we talked about lust, aspect that, that Christians have their passions under control or at least are honest enough with each other, says, you know, I don't, so I need help. Help me. Same thing with divorce. Um, if, if you've been divorced, or if that is something that's happened, that's painful. It's probably one of the most painful things that a person can go through is the breakup of a marriage. So we could talk about that, and we could pray about that. Now, there's been some people that have been divorced and have said, hey, well, how, how does that work? And, and we've talked about some of their specific issues. I can't get into every specific issue, but I can say to those of you who are married, guard that thing. Protect that thing. Because God likes that. God is big on marriage. And if God is big on marriage, somebody else is against marriage. Marriage is so important because it not only impacts you, but it impacts your kids. It impacts you mentally. It impacts you emotionally. It impacts you financially. Like it, 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 your whole life, it's almost as if the two people actually became one and ripping somebody apart is really painful and really difficult. So I would prefer that you, if you have an issues in your marriage, that you begin to seek God in that. And the same thing works for all these things. Well, how do you do that? Well, start praying to God. Start reading scriptures on marriage. Start talking to people about marriage. Find your pastor and say, hey, I have this issue. Like, I don't really know how to navigate it. Maybe outside counseling. And I'm not saying I have the answers, but I'm trying to say what we need to value. Oaths. So you got... The next things coming up are oaths, retaliation, and loving your enemies. Can you believe that the creator of the universe, plan of salvation, that by faith in him, we can be united with God? And so it's kind of a big deal. And Jesus was not here for very long. It was only 33-ish years that he was here. And in fact, he only had about three years of active ministry, as far as we can tell. And, and you would think out of all the things that he could talk about oaths. Oaths is on the list. Again, I've heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform to the Lord what you've sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven or the throne of God, by earth or its footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Verse 36, and do not take an oath by your head, because you cannot make your hair white or black. Let, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from the evil one. That verse 37, let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more comes from the evil one. So we start thinking about oaths, and this isn't a teaching on oaths, but that last part, let your yes be yes, your no be no. What if we were people? What if in this church... We can't talk about other churches, but just this church. We were the type of people that when we said we were going to do something, we followed through. Some of you guys are, and then the people in this room are. But, but imagine if like we, we said, hey, I'm going to be there, and then we were there. 
or we said, oh yeah, I got this, and then we took care of it. Well, don't, wouldn't you like to live in a world where if somebody told you something, you didn't have to wonder if they were actually going to show up? I had to give a test at the school Saturday morning. I had to get there at 6 o'clock in the morning yesterday. I loved it. But I had to rely on other people to come and help me. And what did I do? I got every cell phone number because I, I needed them to be there. And even though they had told me yes once or twice, I know how people are. COVID. You're like, you have COVID? No. But I've just been saying that a lot lately. And, and it's like, okay, you know. But, but what if we were people that were just honest? Didn't overcommit, didn't undercommit, did our absolute best, let what we said be true. If we say that, that you know, hey, we, we love you, it's because we mean it. If we say we're going to be there and show up, we do it. Man, I think that would be a great place to be a part of. Retaliation. Verse 38. Retaliation. I understand why he did this one, because retaliation is fun. It feels good for a time. It's poisonous, though. It said, you've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other also. If anyone should sue you, make him go to take your tunic, give him your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go two instead. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse from the one who would borrow from you. That's a hard one to live up to right there. That is so difficult, but we're not supposed to retaliate, even when we can, especially when we can. We're not. We're supposed to be these loving people. Now, if you're dealing with a really big situation at work or in your family where somebody's being nasty and attacking you, like specifically, well, there might be some things to talk about and pray about in that situation. But the general principle about what Jesus is saying is that we should be loving we should be forgiving, and we should be the most crazy, generous people on this planet. I know he means that because he says, hey, when they ask you to go one mile, which by law the Roman soldiers could sometimes recruit you and say, hey, guess what, bud? Can you carry that? Actually, I need you to carry that 50-pound uh, bag of um, rice. And by law, you've got to go a mile. And you know you got to come a mile back. So you're already going two miles. All right, if I was in the crowd, I'd have been like, I'm already going two. Does that count, Lord? Why? Because I'm looking for a line. I'm trying to find, Chris is trying to find the minimum I have to do. I want the line. No, but Jesus says, no, if they ask you to go two, ask you to go one, go with them two. I'd be like, but Lord, that's four. Because now i got to go two back. There's no cars. But it's this idea that you are willing to be inconvenienced and put out of position. And I can't think of anything more inconvenient than walking two miles I wasn't planning on doing. Because they, they didn't ask you like when you were just hanging out. Like you were working. Like picture this. You're working. You're, you're fixing a machine. You're, you're sweating. You're greasy. You're oily. And then by law, somebody goes, hey, bud, it's your turn. The other guy throws it down. He's like, all right, I'm out. He walks back. And now you got to pick it up. And how humiliating. How embarrassing. And he's like, all right, you got to do your mile. 
I got you for two, boss. What? I'm just happy to be here. Why are you so happy? Ah, oh, Jesus, you know, whatever they would talk about. But now you got two miles where you, maybe God uses you to reach that person. But it's this attitude of generosity. Christians, by nature, we should be generous. We should go above and beyond. It's the difference with, so my job starts at 7.30. I don't know what time your work starts. But it's the difference between the person that shows up like, have any of those people at work? It's like no matter where you go in the office, they're there talking to somebody else. And like you're doing work. You're moving papers. You're talking to people. You're getting things done. And you come into this office and you're like, oh, wow, Kevin, you're over here. Okay. And then 20 minutes later, you're in this office and Kevin is over here drinking coffee talking to this person. And you're like, Kevin, you're working hard today. And then you go to that place and Kevin is over here. And, and there are plenty of people that work very hard to get out of doing what they're supposed to do. They have it like to a science and they are just like the bare minimum. They know where the line is and they're just like, look, I'm here. I did the bare minimum. You can't fire me. And that's not how Christians should be. That, that, that's not who we're called to be. Now, what does that look like for you? I don't know. But in your work, in your family, in everything you do, thought I read something about doing all to the glory of God. And, and we need to be people. I'm telling you, I think the world is going in a direction that we need to be people that when they say, well, what about this person? They could say, well, I know he loves his wife or she loves her husband. Not, never really seen him get angry, you know, and even when people do him wrong, they, they just treat people well. And if they say they're going to be there, they, they show up, man. If she says she's going to do it, she's going to do it. And then if she says she's going to do 12, she probably does 15 because she always goes above and beyond. We need to be defined by these things. But we can't be defined by them when they're just in our Bibles. They have to be what our bodies do. And again, our bodies can't do them on our own. This is a work of grace. It's a work of Christ. All right, then he goes into loving your enemies, which is just about the craziest thing I've ever heard. Right, you, you know, I, I believe this is the Lord. I believe it's God's word, but it is, it is not natural to love your enemies. Love your enemies and then pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends, sends rain on the just and on the unjust. That, those, that was a passage that stuck with me early on in my walk with Christ. Sun on the good people and on the unjust, and, and God is just good. And I just thought, man, that God doesn't let other people change who he is. It doesn't matter how you react to him. He is going to be who he is, and, and that really should be who we are. That however the person reacts to us, that there's this transformation that happens through the Spirit of God and the grace of God, this newness that is in us, this, this change that is there that allows us to, to be consistent and treat everybody the same. So how do I put, I'll give you something practical. How do I put that in practice? 
How do I give, you know, because I can't make it shine, the sun. I don't know if you don't know that. I can't make it rain, all right? In any way, I can't make it rain, all right? There's, there's no way. Uh, but how can I put that in practice? For me, one thing that I do when I have a horrible waiter, I tip them like they were great. And sometimes only he and I know that they were terrible. But I say, you know what? This is a little bit how I can be like Jesus. And I'm telling you, when you start to make decisions like that and say, well, this is how I can make my yes be yes and my no be no. This is how I can be someone who, who deals with lust. This is how I can be someone who, who, who values my marriage and, and guards it from divorce. This is by how I can be someone who doesn't retaliate. Like you have to figure out how does this look in your life? And there'll probably be options. And the last thing we'll go to is in chapter 6. We'll start chapter 6 today and we will stop here. Chapter 6, verse 1. This is an important one. And we'll have to probably visit other people in order to be seen by them. For you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. That's interesting. There is a... I think there is a desire in us to be loved and accepted by other people. Every single one of us, to some degree, wants somebody to love and someone to love them. And there are times that we do religious things, practicing of righteousness, and it's just to be part of the club. It's just so that everybody else can say, oh yeah, they've got the t-shirt too. They're part of the, the crowd. And, and when you're doing that, you're doing it wrong. And so think even, and this is the beautiful thing because you know what? He hit on a lot of things right there. Adultery, lust, anger, retaliation. But now he's hitting us. This is for people that are in a church or in in the body of Christ, I, I believe this is, is for that. Like, don't be outwardly righteous. Don't put on a show. That should be refreshing. You don't have to put on a show. God doesn't love you because of what you do. People shouldn't love you because of what you do. Sometimes they do, but they shouldn't. Verse 2, it says, Thus, when you give to the needy and sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, they may, that they may be praised by others, truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not know what your left hand and your right, do not know, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that you may be giving in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So now we have this really interesting thing. I don't know how much secret you get when your left hand and right hand don't know what they're up to because mine always know what's going on. I don't know how to do that, but it's this idea that, that you are so under the table with your good works. What, Chris? Yeah, you're, you're under the table. You're, now I'm not talking for tax purposes, all right? I don't know what you just heard, okay? But I'm talking about your... You're doing things you, to not be seen by men, but just to, I think God made a point of them. Jesus made the point of them. 
because he cares how we treat each other. Every single one of these is good for others if we do them. And even this one, this one is kind of good for us. It's letting us know that that we don't have to do that. So, we're going to be done. We have some food coming in. We have a hangout. But now we're at a place where I covered a bunch of things. And it might have stirred some things up, and the point was not guilt. The point was not condemnation. And I'm not expecting you to fix yourself. Because you can't. It would be the same as if I just sat my dog in the house, read a whole bunch of rules into him, and left. The dog wouldn't get it. But I can't fix you either. Only Christ can. So my desire for you is as we've read through these things, if you see some things in yourself that you say, you know what, maybe, maybe I need to work on that, or maybe as we talked about that area, something bubbled up. I hope that all of it just brings you back to trust in Christ. Brings you back to hope that, that he is the author and the finisher of your faith. So would you just bow your head just for a second? That none but Jesus song, I don't know if we could sing that and make that a prayer. None but Jesus. In the quiet, in the stillness, I know that you are God. In the secret of your presence, I know there are Thank you, Lord, for the grace of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that it's not about our own effort. Thank you that it is a work of grace in our lives. Thank you that we can trust you. We can hope in you. Thank you that you're gentle and merciful. God, but you're strong. You're kind. Lord, we thank you for your nature. God, help us to reflect that to the best of your ability in us. We want to be changed. So anything that doesn't please you, we trust in Christ to fix it and not ourselves. Please go to work. I just feel like there might be some people that that could just be a simple prayer. Just say, God, go to work in my life. Change my character, the way I think, the way I love people, the way I act. to seek God for his transforming power. Amen. Amen. I don't want you to leave here thinking you can do it on your own. 
Remember that God doesn't love you because he...